Okay, so welcome to Six Strings of Tension, a guitar podcast where I talk about guitar with uh, fantastic guitarists. And today, joined all the way from Italy, um, a fantastic guitar player and songwriter, but also someone who's a custodian of music in this weird corner of acoustic guitar. Um, and has put together a number of compilations, tributes to fantastic artists like Jack Rose, uh, Robbie Basho, Stefan Basho Junghans, um, and has also released some archival recordings. And in addition to that, I believe that he's also a guitar builder. So, really, really very privileged today to welcome Buck Curran. Uh, how are you doing, Buck? Thanks so much for joining us. Pretty good. Thanks for having me, Duncan. Sorry for the the hiccup this morning. Oh no! Don't stress about that. This is not the most uh, <laughs> formal <laughs> of platforms, um, and yeah, no, I'm just glad that we could make it happen, man. So thank you. Yeah, uh, my my daughter just turned three, and uh, she's still learning things, you know. Okay. <laughs> yeah. Pot- potty training and different things. <laughs> okay. Yeah, man. I can I can imagine your hands are full then. Yeah, okay. we 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 were just in Spain uh, for a little bit, and on the flight back, she suddenly uh, freaked out, uh, having the, you know, the safety belt put around her. Oh, okay, and, yeah. So I, it was the big disruption on the plane. You know, <laughs> we oh, were like, oh. we were all, me and my wife were melting. You know. Oh, thinking gosh. everybody wanted to kill us <laughs> no man i think that that's just part of parenthood and yeah but but well done i can imagine that that it makes life certainly interesting <laughs> yeah for sure <laughs> but um uh, let's start i'll i'll go with sort of a standard question that we start off with which is just um when was the last time you played guitar and what were you playing uh, the last time I played guitar, uh, well, it was it was one uh, yesterday morning actually because I didn't have a guitar for with me for nine days in Formentera, wow. so that was pretty rough. Yeah, uh, <laughs> uh, because I have a I have a regiment, you know, a practice regiment. Oh, okay. Because I have so many songs and instrumentals, I have to I have to keep up on them, you know. Okay. At least weekly. Uh, so, I've 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 been playing for a long time now, though. So, it's a little easier to jump back in, you know. Okay. So, okay. <laughs> but I start to get worried if uh, you know, seven days. That's that's a week's a long time in my okay. mind. You know. Okay. Wow. Okay. So you you're quite a disciplined player then. So you got yeah I mean just because I have such a a big catalog of of work that I need when I perform when I play concerts I like to do um I like to vary it between the songs and the the instrumentals and there's so much different like nuancey things going on I, I really okay. have to I have to practice uh, okay or I lo- or I lose it also, the voice, uh, you have to keep that going, you know. Oh, yeah. yeah. Kind of struggling right now. If I had a gig tomorrow, I would probably not feel so great, you know. Oh, I doubt. 
I'm sure you'll. <laughs> I'm sure it'll be fantastic, man. I yeah. I just played a wonderful uh, festival um, on the 23rd of July in Finland. Okay. Yeah. The uh, Odysseus Festival, and that was such a a beautiful. Beautifully organized. Uh, it was on an island in the bay oh, wow. uh, uh, near one of the main ports in Helsinki, and uh, okay. it was just a really beautiful experience. And I had, I had only had one gig before that um, within a 15-day period, so I was feeling a little uh, nervous or something, you know. <laughs> like, but when when I got into it, um, yeah, it felt pretty. It felt really good, so I was fortunate, you know. Yeah. No, I, and I, 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 I always like to start out with my most difficult composition. <laughs> not not musically, but but the way I play it, you know. It's okay. it's a really open uh it it's called Sea of Polaris. Okay. I've recorded yes. it twice. Yeah. That to get that right is is very difficult. Because okay. there's a lot of really nuancey things going on, you know. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> wow. But I imagine also, like, um, does sort of the, the location where you're playing also lend itself to the to the performance, you know, if you're playing somewhere beautiful, like in Finland. Yeah. Well, you know, it, it reminded me a lot of Maine. Like oh, okay. The landscapes okay. were very similar. Uh so that it was kind of like coming home almost. <laughs> <laughs> okay, wow. Wow. Okay, that's beautiful. And, and my wife my wife's mm. from here from uh Bergamo. Well, she was born in Milan and raised in Bergamo. Okay. And, uh, she she likes to refer to me as a Nordic creature. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> you look the part. <laughs> so so I don't blame her, <laughs> but that's great. So, so how often do you normally play? Like, do you? So I know you said sort of in a fifteen-day window recently, you, you you had one gig and one festival. So, do you sort of have like a, I don't know, sort of kind of a set um, gig in the, where you are or something like that, uh, or how often are you playing live these days? So, so last year. Um Last year I was playing, uh, gigging just about every week or so. Okay. Uh, going to different various places, going to France, going you know just okay. around. Um, this year's been a little more sparse with with the shows, which actually has kind of benefited me in two ways because uh, I've got a lot of recording projects that I need to kind of organize and. I helped uh, produce my wife's album. Well, there there wasn't much production on it, okay, because it, it was a really sparse thing, yeah, with just piano and voice. But I helped record that album. But I I had to also I've had to like coordinate with uh, preparing that for the release, and uh, okay. I recorded a new album in March, and you know, so I've had a lot of recording projects to. Oh, in, wow. They take so much time to organize, but yeah. I need to gig because that's my. You know, that's the way I primarily make my living. So, okay, okay. Yeah. So this is a full time deal for you. Yeah, it's. Uh, I was 
working as a a guitar maker um, really like focused between 2002 and 2009. Okay. And right about the time that Arborea released okay. my my duo from Maine, we released our our first album. Then we started getting in invitations to play festivals in Spain wow. and England and. Uh, yeah. So at that point, it was we were playing gigs every moment that I I wasn't working basically uh, okay. for for the I was working for Dana Bourgeois, who's okay. a, a renowned guitar maker yeah, yeah. from Maine, and I was also right around I'd say it was only about a year after working for for Dana I started making my own designs. Okay. So I had full access to the shop. So yeah. I, I was really, you know, in a fever, <laughs> like creating this uh, butterfly model that, that I have. Mm. And so that took up a lot of time. And, and uh, but yeah, when, when the album came out, um, I just started getting so, like on weekends we were gigging mm. or on vacations. And okay. so by 2009, we went, we went full-time. And wow. we, we went straight to Europe for a month. And then we did, uh, over several years, we did a few, uh, two cross-country tours, like from Maine mm. to California and back, okay. and then two half tours. We played South by Southwest three times wow. in Austin. Okay. Did, we, we were just on the road constantly. Yeah. And then we had our last European tour in 2015. Mm -hmm. And uh, Shanti needed a, a break after like 10 years of working really hard. Um, and I totally, you know, I totally understood mm -hmm. uh, that decision. And uh, But yeah, I, I, I couldn't exactly stop at that point because we had uh, such a you know we had created such a thing you know yeah I'd, I wanted to keep the the ball rolling so to speak you know yeah uh, so yeah I mean it's getting back to your your initial question uh, I have to kind of constantly generate uh, shows okay you know um and I did a 16-day tour at the end of April and the beginning of May. Yeah. Uh, Liam, yeah. Grant, Liam and I. Too. Yeah, Liam picked picked me up at the Boston airport, and we we just we <laughs> hit it the first night. We went down. Yeah. Allison Callery, who's a great yeah uh, guitarist and singer songwriter yeah, yeah. Uh, from really Providence. You know, she set up yeah. the first show and <laughs> you know. So that's wait. So did you like land? And that day you played. Yeah. Oh. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Well, I suppose that's what's required. Um, yeah. If that's you know if that's what you're doing, but um, wow, that's amazing, man. That's really. It's amazing. as far as jet lag. It's a little easier going for mm. me personally. Going from Europe to America. Okay. Yeah. Uh, if I go in the opposite direction, I always get slammed for like at least one day and I can't really do much, you know? Uh, yeah. yeah. 
Wow. And it's usually like a slower filter. Uh, I just don't have that immediate, you know, jet lag uh, going to America. It's like a slow filter. So weird. Okay. Yeah, I don't know why. <laughs> <laughs> and do you enjoy the travel, or do you find it takes its toll? I I really don't like flying in okay. general. Uh, yeah. Maybe it's just like an insecurity thing, sitting in the back of a plane, but... Yeah. I always thought I'd love to to fly a plane, you know? <laughs> yeah. When I, when I joined the military, I had interest in flying, you know? Whoa. But... Okay. Uh, I've I've worn contacts most of since I've been a teenager, so my eyesight's changed right around sixth grade, in, you know, uh, primary school. So, whoa, okay. <laughs> so that kind of uh, leveled me out of out of the field. You know, you have to yeah. have uh, perfect vision for flying, unfortunately. Yeah. Okay. Whoa. Okay. So. I'm interested to find out, you know, how you got into guitar. And it's, it sounds like you were sort of first very much so into guitar building um, before sort of transitioning to being a full-time musician. But you've also spoken now about, you know, being in the military. And so it's interested to hear what your story was there and sort of how you ended up kind of working with guitars, you know, building or playing music, all of that. Yeah. Um, I would say, well, I grew up in Detroit. My father was from Detroit. My mother was from Tennessee. Uh, uh, during Vietnam, he was, you know, traveling around a lot. And my sister was born in Memphis. And, uh, then we lived out in San, San Diego for a while. I was born in Florida on the, on, uh, Cape Canaveral. Okay. um, On the base there. Yeah. Uh, so after my father got out, we moved back to Detroit, and at that point, from my earliest memories, I could just, uh, it was always music around the house, mm-hmm. and uh, my parents had a, a pretty substantial vinyl collection, okay. you know, uh, looking at the jackets, and, you know, okay. uh, just like, what's going on? <laughs> yeah, was it good stuff putting, as well? Put, putting the vinyl on and hearing all this yeah. this music, like, they had, like, uh, the Bee Gees Trafalgar oh, cool, album. Yeah. <laughs> like, that, that album cover is pretty, like, and you open it up, like, uh, the gatefold has uh, this kind of uh, period, yeah. you know, painting-like, photograph of them you know yeah uh and uh tim buckley greetings from la oh, like wow. like what's he doing with the gas mask <laughs> oh. <laughs> it, was, it was so strange you know um yeah. and of course they did different things you know uh like like peter frampton and okay <laughs> which i didn't cool. in- initially like yeah, yeah. I, oddly enough, I would put that on every year. Yeah. Like at least once a year to see if I could really get into it. And I, I really yeah. didn't like it. But at, <laughs> at, at one point, I started to appreciate it. I don't know why. But yeah. the, the big album for me is uh, this collection, which I, I, I don't have the jacket anymore, but I have the vinyl. Okay. It was uh, John Williams. Okay. Uh, 
uh, kind of like a compilation album that mm. Sony or or whatever uh, put out, and it had uh, him playing some Bach pieces. Whoa! Okay. I was just completely fascinated by the mm. sound, like the tones, the color of the okay. tones, like the the perfect sound. Yeah. Just with one instrument, you know. Okay. And um, there, at a certain point, my father had brought a classical guitar into the house, mm. so I became a a thing that was yeah. very attract. Att- I was very much a- attracted to it, you know, mm. fascinated by it. Yeah. And, but he always likes to say, you know, he's. He doesn't have a, a musical ear, so uh, he 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 had a teacher coming to okay. our place, and uh, so he took some lessons in the house. But for the most part, the guitar sat under the bed, and I knew it was there. So okay. <laughs> <laughs> I'd kind of just pull it out, and eventually, mm. when we moved to Ohio, I was kind of like still grabbing this thing, and um, I started meeting some people like I met my best my best friend at the time uh Joe who mm. already had an electric guitar so I got like a little transducer pickup and put it on the Yamaha classical and bought a little Whoa, amp okay and was trying to get these like distorted tones <laughs> <laughs> but crazy. Joe was like Joe was kind of yeah. like joking me like saying uh oh, you know like yeah what are you doing playing country or you know oh yeah wow i mean he was already playing purple haze oh okay on his little hagstrom you know yeah yeah that's awesome so okay so you like immediately instead of trying to get an electric guitar you try to just turn the classical guitar into an electric guitar yeah but the cool thing about your, your start of like fiddling with guitars and kind of taking matters into your own hands a little bit there yeah i mean i i used to love to just see how long i could sustain a note oh wow yeah yeah i think from the earliest time oh well to go back a little bit my Mm -hmm. absolute love uh with music started uh with singing oh okay and before my voice changed Mm -hmm. uh i had this really high range you know i used to i used to go around my neighborhood and just singing everything you know Mm. of course you'd hear beatles and yeah country music and or just elvis on the radio all the time Uh, Mm. um simon and garfunkel you know things like this so yeah it's just always and as I got older, like closer to seventh grade, before just before we moved to Ohio, mm. you had a lot of this kind of like more punk rock uh, things, but it was more commercial, like uh, uh, My Sharona and these. Oh, okay, yeah. You know what I mean? These uh, <laughs> kind of, or I don't know, even like I'm really showing my age now. Uh, Bay City, <laughs> Bay City Rollers and. Oh wow! Okay, yeah. yeah. So that's what was happening at the time, but it's T-Rex. cool. It's 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 cool to hear though. Like just when you talk about guitar, you talk about how you know when you were listening to that um, that compilation record, 
how you were sort of fascinated by the tone and the colors and then you know when you're talking about sort of electrifying your classical guitar you'd like to sort of hear it sustain and i think that that i i don't know if maybe i'm just drawing sort of conclusions erroneously but i feel like i can hear that particular fascination that you have with the guitar in your music because you know a lot of players in this kind of you know weird acoustic realm especially now are really focusing on playing fast and uh, you know kind of that american primitive type of stuff but with your music there's a lot of space and air like you're not uh, or i i went you know i went for a run this morning i was listening to one of your albums and it was really sort of meditative you know and it's got all this room to breathe um and i guess do you think that that comes from sort of your love of hearing the wood and hearing the sustain um or i don't know do you think i'm just talking bullshit <laughs> no i mean uh, i think i think it's all interrelated you know uh especially the way i i've kind of grown up mm-hmm. and started making my own music it comes more from a like a, a mental visual okay. aspect i when i'm making records i u- either usually do like a first or second take improv or like sea of polaris or river unto okay. sea these things were created in my mind first and i had to mm-hmm. go at a certain point, I had everything there, and I had to go find it on the guitar. So it it oh, doesn't wow. come from me, uh, you know, sitting with the guitar and so like, okay. oh, here this sound, this chord sounds good, this finger pattern sounds good, and then mm-hmm. you know, it doesn't come from that angle. It comes from more of a like a kind of like a visual okay. soundscape, you know. Okay, cool. Uh, so you kind and, of deliberately looking for stuff on the guitar rather than just sort of yeah i don't deliberately look for stuff on the guitar either like is somehow imparted i don't know like you know like um you know even even from a a lyrical um standpoint like uh my song ghost on the hill kind of just it it just wrote itself in like 10 minutes you know wow, wow. i i still have the demo you know on my phone of that mm-hmm. and it's almost it was all it was pretty much there you know okay uh there are some aspects of uh my my music where i really have to work on the the lyrics and i'll i'll do mm. At that point, then my my lyric sheets look crazy because they're they're all like yeah. a million things in different directions scratched out, oh, okay. and so it's really crafted, you know, in that okay. regard. Yeah, you know, but uh, but yeah, it's um, there's a lot of little micro ways that I come to it, but the the most the most direct path or is that either straight like like improv like um mm. the instrumental that i i the two instrumentals that i recorded on uh, Robbie Basho's 12 string for Stefan's tribute yeah. were completely improv so yeah. the thing is if i'm recording it and i i feel like there's some kind of 
essence of a feeling that's mm. that's landed on the recording then then I'll keep it yeah you know okay uh, I you you usually know if the piece mm. has life or not you know yeah uh, you know uh, as far as recording too that's been an integral part of what I do mm. uh, being in a a space, a room, or outside next to a, a pond or, or something uh, where you have reflective surfaces, you have a, like a natural uh, reverb or yeah. an echo. Yeah. You know, I, I really, um, a, a lot of the Arborea music was either recorded in our living room in Maine, mm. which had a really great natural reverb to that room oh, or yeah. uh, at the camp okay. uh, Camp K which is uh, near the Appalachian Trail oh you know? wow okay yeah. so I was just uh, I have this uh, mini disc recorder yeah. that I and I, I brought these mini mini discs back with mm. me and I have uh, from my the first Arborea album I there's a song called Shag Pond Revival, mm. which is the name of where the camp is, the, the pond there. Oh, okay. And yeah. so it's July 31st, 2006. Wow. And I had taken the mini, mini disc and, uh, and the mic and sat up in this little shed next to the, the pond. And of course you can hear water running and yeah. everything. I, I was just listening to that yesterday. It's really oh, kind of wow. interesting. And at 2006, I was still working yeah. a, a lot at the, uh, I was working 50 hours a week mm -hmm. at the guitar shop. So my, it was uh, like technically to play was a lot more difficult then because I was, you know, sanding and cutting and yeah. my hands were a lot more stiff and I can hear I was struggling. The, the, the composition was there, but I was struggling. Okay. I did like, I think there's like 30 takes on there. Whoa. <laughs> you know? Okay. Yeah. Wow. So man. at one point I had an accident with a, a handheld router, okay. which I had been yeah. using for years, and I took off the top of this pinky. Oh, damn. And I remember at that point I was just like, you know, I gotta, I gotta stop doing this for now. I, I need to focus on playing. You know. You, yeah. I gotta, I gotta do whatever I can. To, yeah. Okay. Yeah. Wow. So, on your left hand here, your little pinky yeah. got taken out. Damn. Yeah. This is it. Kind. It. If yeah. you look closely, it's like. Uh, I mean, it grew back somewhat round yeah. on the tip, but there was actually a channel. You know the bit. Oh, whoa! Yes, yeah. You could. You, it's all scar tissue on the. On okay. The <laughs> Damn. There's so, a picture of Arborea playing yeah. a gig, and I have a big cast on it. You know. So you just kind of proceeded, but just with three fingers. For a while. yeah. Well, I mean, yeah, yeah. And the I use the thumb a lot. So. Oh, okay. Okay. <laughs> so you managed. Yeah, wow. but I remember that was a big turning point because I really mm. was adamant about uh, stopping 
you know, like yeah. working towards stopping building and and uh, you know surviving. Yeah, uh, just, uh, you know, making a living playing full time. I think it was a lot easier to do that than. Okay. Uh, I th it's gotten a lot harder now. Yeah, no, you know, it's, a lot of guys are struggling with algorithms and you know yeah. how things yeah. have changed. Uh, YouTube used to be more chronological. Now it's uh, you know it's, yeah, it's views based and all of that. Yeah, it's different. But so have you? Um, so since you stopped, you know, working as a, a builder, have you done any? guitar building just for yourself since then or when you stopped not, was at the end here not when i when arborea started touring full-time mm. at the very end of 2009 i sold all my well i still have some chisels oh wow i have okay. wood and storage uh my friend john slobod who's a great guitar builder in maine yeah. he has a company called circa and he he builds pre-war guitars oh wow uh, okay. pre-war pre-war style yeah, guitars. yeah yeah uh he's uh thankfully he's kind of like um keeping some of my molds and things okay. safe you know uh okay, some of cool. some of my uh red sprues and things like this yeah. but i'd like to get back into it you know okay uh, i, I kind of have like a five-year plan yeah uh, we'll see okay. how that goes. <laughs> okay, well that's exciting, man. Um, so, so when you were building, did you mainly make acoustic guitars, or did you make electric, uh, or both? Uh, I I built a few electrics here yeah. and there, uh, but I I really was absolutely uh, just always drawn, fascinated towards okay. acoustic instruments. You know. Yeah. Uh, just the there's so much more alive, you know, naturally yeah. acoustically. Obviously, all the all the various like inbuilt reverb and you know, mm. and uh, as the older I got and the more I learned about yeah. alternate tunings and you know, mm. uh, so so I went into the military to get money to go to. Uh, some kind of music school. Oh, okay. Because I didn't have any money, you know, I didn't have an option yeah. to go to college. So, and there was a, a place called Guitar Institute of Technology uh, okay. in, in Los Angeles, which uh, another famous main fingerstyle guitar player, uh, jazz player, Lenny Bro, uh, was teaching at that school around the time he was he was murdered uh, whoa yeah there, out there in like eight, 1984 I think oh I'm sorry uh, there's videos of him doing some mm. great classes cause uh, and he played like seven string guitar and okay know, yeah yeah uh really phenomenal stuff but um uh, right I think going into the military as I was playing more electric guitar mm. at that period, yeah, uh, I had a lot of influence, like uh, like BB King. Okay. You know, like sustaining. Okay, yeah. You know, like his ability to make the mm. guitar sing, you know, mm. uh, was something 
that helped my development, you know. Yeah. Uh, years later, I was fortunate to meet him as well. That was... <laughs> oh, whoa. <laughs> at a wolf trap uh, at a blues festival in yeah. Richmond. So when I got out, I was playing blues almost. Yeah. Like, uh, I was writing. I was I was writing my own kind of uh, folk folk songs. Like okay. Uh, and I I got out and I was working at a folklore instrument shop called Ramblin' Conrads. Okay. Uh, and we were also a venue, so we had a lot of uh, great figure style guitar players coming coming yeah. over. And eventually, I met Martin Simpson. Uh, took some lessons off of him okay and he uh, and I've got one of the workshops from uh, from that time period up on my band camp because we okay. recorded it oh cool and it, it's a very thorough guitar workshop because he goes through American styles of music okay. uh, Skip James and, and goes and then covers all the British folk players like Martin oh. Carthy and yeah. Nick Jones, and uh, but he he was really instrumental in uh, along with like Michael Hedges, uh, like uh, for introducing me to alternate tunings, you know. Okay. Yeah. Uh, um, also, like Ry Cooter, a meeting yeah. by the river. Uh, I, I think you can, yeah, you start mm. to put all that together and you can see where a lot of early influences yeah. uh, came from. So, uh, but yeah, with the going, the thing about as I was getting ready to get out of the service, I, I was really focused on writing original b blues music okay. and playing and developing a way of sustaining the guitar, not not like shredding so much yeah. as like, you know. Uh, so how how old were you around then? Well, I got out when I was twenty three, so Whoa. I was like nineteen. Yeah. That four year, yeah, yeah. I had a eight year contract, but four year active. Okay. Uh, so I saved up enough money my last year yeah. to get a. a a Martin guitar Whoa. and a car and you know like yeah kind of, but so I I realized though as I was getting out that I couldn't uh, I didn't feel like I could learn to play the blues in a school okay yeah fair, I think and, a fair thought yeah and what happened is is I kind of landed in a really fertile musical scene in, in uh, Norfolk and Virginia okay. Beach and there was a, a young guy at the time Gib Droll who was like like a Stevie Ray Vaughan Jimi Hendrix okay. kind of prodigy and, yeah, yeah. and it was really great seeing uh, Gib play back then because he was like just out of this mm. world you know yeah and so I that and then I there was the natural blues network and uh so there was a blues society and there was a place down the by the beach I saw Chris Whitley there uh and a lot Sue Foley and a lot mm. of live acts so then I started playing there it was called the Jewish mother oh, okay. so we had we had all these clubs and mm -hmm. and there were uh a lot of like uh, blues clubs and chicken shacks and 
so it was like okay this is that my education you know okay showing up with my guitar and either sometimes just watching people play and learning yeah. that way or finally getting to the point where i was you know uh asked if i could sit in you know yeah okay uh, so yeah that was that was pretty important phase yeah. you know yeah yeah and at the same time we had that yeah at working at ramblin conrad's we had uh concerts every week that were wow. hosted in our place by Tidewater friends of folk music so i was seeing all this like great you know mm. Figure yeah. style players like Ed Gerhard and uh, Martin Simpson and uh, different kinds of songwriters too, like Doogie McLean from Scotland and the Battlefield Band. And, Whoa. You know, yeah. Listening yeah. to Sandy Denny a lot. Yes, uh, yeah. Pentangle. Uh, Nick Drake, Ryko yeah. Disc had, I think it was Ryko Disc, uh, had. Uh, issued that compilation um, oh really and like things behind yeah. the sun you know yes, from, yeah uh, pig moon. moon so good uh, yeah so yeah i was like in that okay really... so so was that when you sort of like moved away from electric blue sustaining and well i i never the... fully left yeah. that uh oh, okay what <laughs> yeah. what what really got so I worked at Conrad's mm. for five years. I ended up managing it. But mm. uh, I had a friend who played drums who mm -hmm. was in my trio. And uh, eventually he moved out to Colorado. And he started saying how great it was out there. And yeah. uh, Conrad's, after being open, I think since the late 60s or early 70s, mm. was closing. Yeah. So it was kind of like I was ejected out wow. of my life you know yeah because that was working at conrad's was such an important base yeah. you know so i decided to move to colorado mm -hmm. and i was still playing electric a lot but you know uh and and playing in the trio with john who was playing my friend john who was playing drums and uh but at the same time to kind of go back just a little bit, mm -hmm. uh, Martin Simpson had uh, a British-made guitar by Stefan Sobel. Okay. And uh, when he played one of the concerts at our place, he had just had this new uh, guitar, which was mm -hmm. uh, my butterfly model was inspired by oh. Stefan's butterfly model, which he only built a a small amount. Okay. Yeah. Like a, I don't I don't know how many he built, maybe yeah. only ten or something. Whoa. And I remember after the concert, uh because we were in an acoustic guitar shop and I had a Martin yeah. and we were we were all fascinated by acoustic guitars. Mm. Uh Martin was showing us this Sobel guitar and it was like, What is this thing? It's yeah. not like a Martin at all and the way it sustains yeah and the overtones and it was just so phenomenal that I sold, I started working on selling my Martin right away wow. and I ordered a guitar from Stefan. So that yeah. really was a big influence, a big like changing okay. moment yeah. for me. Uh, 
I started thinking about acoustic guitar in a, a different way. Yeah. What, what the acoustic guitar could do physically, wow. how they're built, you know. Mm. So, and I started really thinking at that point about building. I had already built a few electric guitars while I was working at the shop. Yeah. You know, like some Strat style guitars. Okay, yeah. But I really started focusing on the idea of building acoustic guitars from that point. Okay. Wow. So, yeah. That's amazing. So you think it was that specific guitar and that particular build that just won you that, over? That specific guitar, yeah. Yeah. And I own that guitar. You own it? <laughs> wow. I, I owned it. I owned yeah. it. Okay. Uh, at a certain point, uh, Stefan, right mm. around the time that Arborea, we were recording our first album, yeah. Stefan contacted me and said, hey, I, I, know where, uh, I know where Martin's old guitar is. He used, mm. it, he used that guitar to record the album when I was on horseback. Oh, wow. Okay. And uh, it was in Nashville at Gruen mm. Guitars. So I got a hold of Gruen and eventually I bought the guitar and I used it uh, on a couple tracks on the on the first album and I used yeah. it on a slide piece on the second Arbore album called Plains of Macedonia. And uh, okay. that guitar, uh, the reality, the sound of it was amazing. The reality of the playability of it was a little more challenging because it was a super long uh, okay. Not like a baritone guitar, but yeah. like a twenty-five-seven scale length. Okay. And the neck is thinner. Oh. And so you don't have a lot of body. Like there isn't yeah. a lot of girth on the neck to hold okay. on to. And if you're playing it like that, you know. Uh, so it was just a, a little challenging to play. Mm -hmm. Like I was recording, uh, like the, you know. Yeah, the mini, di the recording on the mini disc. I was playing that in song. open. <laughs> yeah. I was playing that in open G. Oh. And so your second string's up to B, and it's really stiff. Yeah. Uh, that guitar. Uh, so eventually, I I sold I sold that guitar to help uh, finance some. We were already getting invitations to travel. We didn't have a lot of money, and I sold okay. it to. I sacrificed that guitar yeah. to kind of kickstart Arborea's touring career. Yeah. And, you okay. Know, I see. We were invited to play Green Man, but the the they they weren't paying a lot back then. Yeah. Except for the the the, big, the headliners, headliners, you know. Yeah. You know. So did that guitar fund? for you to travel over to the Green Man Festival. Yeah, different wow. different things in that first year, you know. But I, you know, even even Jack Rose yeah. had played that festival the year before and I I heard he didn't get paid very much either. So it was oh, like okay. I think their budgets for unless you, you were on the the yeah. main stage, you know. Yeah. And a headliner, you you probably weren't getting paid so much money to play that. And, but it was a, it, an amazing festival as well. Mm. Like that was a, definitely a highlight of, has been a highlight yeah. of my career, you know. Wow. Uh, so 
There was uh, so many beautiful things happening then, you know. Yeah. So so was that in 2006, eh? That 2006. Yeah. I mean, I'm sorry, seven. Seven, seven. okay. Yeah. Yeah. Jack, Jack played 2006. I think. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Incredible. Yeah. Wow. I think, I think that that's, you know, as, as, as you say, you have to sacrifice that guitar. But I think it was probably worth it, I would, I would venture to guess. So it was nice that it could still do that for you. Um, so I know that you also that, hmm? <laughs> that that guitar though really kind yeah. of like because well I kind of sold it with the idea of I didn't think the Perhaps. guy I sold it to was gonna keep it. Oh okay, yeah. <laughs> and I thought okay I want first buyback right. Yeah. And I was supposed to get it on the like I was thinking maybe a year I would have yeah, it yeah. back and, and I then, see no. okay he sold it to somebody else. And, Oh, so yeah. so so the person you sold she sold it on. Yeah, yeah. Oh, okay, okay. That is that is kind of sad. I'm sorry. Yeah, well, and I at that point I was just too. I didn't I didn't have the kind of money to buy that back. So okay, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, uh, but anyways, it it hmm. in it during that time period it inspired me building a bunch of guitars that yeah. were kind of. Like that was the, the catalyst, you know. Okay. And uh, and then I have this 2009 Sobel. Okay. That uh, that I I was able to get two years ago. That, wow. Uh, I mean the Sobels are quite expensive, so mm. I've always struggled to. And Stefan doesn't really like payment plans, so yeah. Yeah. <laughs> throw a big chunk of, of money, you know, to, yeah. to get them, you know. Wow. But anyway. <laughs> yeah. But, but it sounds like um, you've got quite an extensive guitar collection, I'm guessing. Because I know that right, you're also... Right now, yeah, right right now, now. I do, and I'm, I'm trans- transitioning... Yeah. Uh, some things uh and i actually <clears throat> that the the sobel we've been talking about yeah back then i i uh i know who has it and okay I know the guy who has it and mm. in the future he said he'll sell it to me okay so, okay so is I he ready have, to uh, let it go <laughs> Yeah, I mean it's been twenty years now almost. You Fair. Know? Yeah, it's been a while. It's like how how fast time flies. You know, it's hard yeah. to believe, but yeah, two thousand six. Yeah, yeah, it's getting it's getting up there almost like two thousand twenty three now. Yeah, like, it's like seventeen years. He's got another uh, a newer Sobel that he really likes, and I think he's okay. you know. Okay. Cool. So yeah, I have the I have the the thought to work on on getting that back. Yeah. yeah. Just because it's a such an iconic instrument. For mm. Yes. Yeah. Inspired you to get into building and everything. So. Yeah. So what year did you start guitar building? Well, I started designing and drawing guitars okay. when I was in high school. Okay. <laughs> and then. Uh, you know, taking some woodworking classes in mm. high school, 
uh, when I got out of the Navy, I was, uh, when I was working at Conrad's, I was doing a lot of repair work. Okay. And, and also building like the, so yeah. that would have been around 90, 91. Mm. That okay. I started building some electric guitars. And uh, I was also doing a lot of like little, using the bandsaw to uh, make little crafts and things, you okay. know, like just constantly improving my woodworking skills, yeah. you know. So when we moved from Norfolk uh, at the end of 2000, and we had ended up in Lewiston, Maine, where uh, my ex-wife Shanti mm. is from originally, but she grew up down south, but all, you know, her father and sisters mm -hmm. were living up in Maine. Uh, we got into an apartment and I used the second room and I started building a classical guitar. Okay. Yeah. But there were certain aspects that I really needed to improve on with my woodworking mm -hmm. skills. So I got a job at a cabinet maker, okay. Tom, Thomas yeah. Mosier. And, uh, they they build this famous like Windsor chair that they sell all over the, the yeah. world and I was trained to uh, make the arm, the back mm. arm for the chair, which is like the most complex part. Yeah. Of the chair, and uh, because they they laminate all these cherry strips into a oh, huge long okay. line, yeah. you glue them together, then you put them in a big press. It is giant in yeah. this state. Then when you take it out, it's already bent in that hoop shape. Okay. And then you cut it down to size mm. using various, you know, tools. And then you have to use a rasp and hand carve it Whoa. into a smooth, yeah. like, uh, that was really intense. Yeah, that uh, does sound process. super intense. And I did that for a couple months and I got, I got my first uh, arm into a... Yeah. Uh, production pretty quick and uh but i started imagining doing this job like mm. for four or five years in the future i could yeah. <laughs> i was like this is so tedious like it's beautiful to be able to do this but yeah. i want to build guitars and just around that time there was a position that opened up at uh bourgeois okay. so i went in for an interview yeah you know and uh yeah uh yeah i i brought in my one of my arms and, yes, uh, yeah. and dana hired me right right away so wow. i went into the the area of the shop where they you know mm. make uh the necks and the bodies yeah so yeah crazy so so did you ever so you never like form did you ever formally train as a luthier or was it you know working at that cabinet shop and then working in a guitar shop yeah and that's how you yeah just that wow and then all the after hour you know like yeah. i said right away i knew the sound i wanted mm -hmm. my guitars to have and so after my first year of working there yeah. and i had the keys to the shop and all the access to the mm -hmm. tools and stuff i i started building my own guitars after hours you know wow so it was just like applying you know myself mm. staying you know there till midnight or whatever yeah <laughs> yeah crazy okay so you just built 
How, so how many guitars do you think you ended up making? Well, I mean, the thing was, in that period, uh, mm-hmm. there was a lot of uh, our, you know, research and development. Okay. Yeah. So I probably only built like six guitars. Okay. But high level. Yeah, yeah. Know, no, 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 no. That's, that's, that, that's a pretty big two number. Two which I have here. Yeah. But oh. I built, uh, I helped build thousands of guitars over you know okay. eight year yeah. period I helped build uh, Dana's 5,000th uh, wow. guitar we made like a, a really intri- like a Brazilian rosewood parlor yeah. guitar with an ivory bridge and mm. you know like it was really interesting instrument and uh, I helped build guitars for uh, Doc Watson oh crazy yeah yeah um, Nickel Creek. I don't okay. know if you. No, I don't know. <laughs> yeah. They're kind of like a new grass band. Uh, okay. Brian Sutton, who's a famous, okay. uh, yeah. hot, you know, guitar player mm. now. He played with Ricky Skaggs. He was like. Oh, wow. Yeah. Ricky Skaggs. We built guitars for Ricky Skaggs. Oh, and damn. A lot of, lot of like hot bluegrass yeah. you know, players. Okay. Uh, but, uh, you know, some uh, Nick Chalais. Oh, wow. But, he, so, he played so, a bourgeois. So at that point, was it like you would build one part of the guitar, someone would build another part, and it would get a Yeah, as far as like, I, would, okay. I was building necks and bodies. Okay, yeah. You know. Uh, yeah, like and working I worked, with wood. I worked with one other guy in the body mm-hmm. department. Okay, damn. So we were doing Just all the bracing. <laughs> yeah, uh, the last couple, uh, after a, about three years mm-hmm. of doing that, they did bring in a, another guy, Todd, okay. to do like, he was doing back braces and, and things, okay. and which was really interesting to get Todd mm-hmm. in there because uh, he was doing something a little different with the back braces. Yeah. Because Dana has his templates that he, like yes, these yeah. specs like mm. the, these specs that he likes to go for, but mm. then there's a slight variation. Every instrument okay. is slightly different. I see. And something about the way that Todd was carving the back, suddenly the guitars started opening up in a different way. Oh. Wow. Anyways, at that time, John Slobod was working there at the shop. So, uh, well, he had, or, he had been there even when I, uh, I had first arrived there. Uh, he was one of the longest standing mm-hmm. employees before he went solo, like on his own. Uh, but we would talk about guitar design all, all the time. And uh, John, we used to talk about uh, voicing the backs of the guitars, which mm-hmm. a lot of people don't talk about. They always talk about yeah. voicing the tops. Everyone talks about like, the top, yeah. Yeah, but the backs are very important too. Not just the back bracing, but the thickness yeah. of the plate, you know? Okay. Wow. It's very important. Okay. So that, so the, and, and we were constantly getting repairs in mm. at the bourgeois shop. People would bring Olsons in or, you yeah. know, to do little repairs and stuff. So we would get to see all these other great hand, mm. handmade guitars, you know? 
so it was really a kind of a formative period. Yeah. Amazing. Okay. And and then the, the six that you built were those like end to end. You built them. Your design, yep. the butterfly. Yep. Yeah. I I I did uh I did have the guys at the shop do the finishes. Oh okay yeah. I don't know. I I've I would probably to if I am able to build in the next five years I'll probably do like a hand rubbed finish. Oh uh, yeah. Unless I can find somebody. I mean, most people in the business, even Sobel in England or Matsuda from yeah. Cal- in California, they all commission okay. the finishes. No, the there's finishes. hardly anybody that yeah. does their own. There's yeah. a few. There are a bunch of luthiers that do their own finishes, but mm. it's a, there's such a high level yeah. uh, of uh, skill needed for a perfect finish and okay people a lot of people when they're spending six to twenty thousand dollars they want there's a lot of perfection yeah yeah i don't i i I like a nice finish but i am not interested in that level of perfection yeah like 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 to have like tops that don't have any striping through it oh yeah you know, like, and that's not the, I'm not talking about the finish there, but mm. I like guitars to have character. Yeah. You know, I don't care if the guitars after some years have uh, uh, some kind of pitting in the, you yeah. know, finish or, you know, how the finishes settle in a little bit. Yes. And, yeah. 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 Or I just, I don't care anymore. Mm. Like. It's just play play the guitar, and the more you play an acoustic guitar, the better it's gonna sound. And okay, what can I ask? Why that is that? Because that's something that you know a lot of people allude to and talk about, you know, and it's sort of a generally accepted fact. But why is it that the more you p- play an acoustic guitar, the better it ends up sounding? Well, you're sending. Uh, oh, sorry you're sending about my sound, dogs. <laughs> you're sending sound vibrations through the wood. Okay. Yeah, and it's how there's always a level of moisture in yeah. the cells of the wood, and as as uh, that's why luthiers have uh, you know collections of tops and, and backs, yeah. and they they put them they air dry them for years. Yeah. Uh, we think about this uh, famous uh, guitar player from Germany who built mm. Segovia's guitars. Uh, Herman Hauser, mm. uh, his granddaughter is Emma. Let's see, hold on. The son, the grandson. Yeah. So the, and the the daughter of the grandson is so building great, now. Great granddaughter. Yeah. Wow. And you can order a guitar from them that, ha- yeah. they still have a a lot of wood, you know, oh, from Herman's. Yeah. So this is like. German spruce that was cut wow. in the, you know, early 1900s or. Wow. Wow. Yeah, it's like. <laughs> okay, I see. So that came from trees that you know. Yeah. So we're talking that wood's pretty old. You know? Yeah. So the more the more it dries, the less mm. uh, moisture content, the more reflective. Okay. The yeah. the guitar becomes sound wise, you know, mm. and. 
there's that aspect to it, but I'm sure there's a million other like okay, uh, just contributors, physical things that yeah. contribute to just uh, sending, uh, just improving, sustain, mm. and you know. Okay, but it's I I really like the idea of you know you were saying like doing like a hand rub finish. Uh, yeah, yeah. If you do it, because I had a guitar. It was a Taylor. And the finish started to peel off, basically. Like, it, uh, yeah, obvious. Yeah. I think it's. I think it happens on quite a few of their guitars. Um, and then, I actually stripped all the finish off, and then did a hand rub, um, or like a local builder guy, he did the rub. And I think it sounds so much better without that layer that was on it previously. You know, because it was like a thick finish. Um, yeah and i think that the hand rub like you say it's got a lot more character you know like you can sort of see kind of blemishes in the wood a lot more clearly but i feel yeah. like the sound is so much richer without that layer yeah well you're not dampening the wood you yeah. know you have a, a thinner finish will mm. let the the wood breathe and vibrate more so i mean yeah. that's yeah because i used to have this uh I've always, well, I have this uh, Yamaha guitar here. Oh, nice! That I paid a yeah. hundred and forty dollars for. That's yeah. kind of my road, my road it's warrior. Got like a like a Bert Jansch vibe. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, uh, and when I was working at Conrad's all those mm. years back, I used to sell tons of Yamahas. They're just really consistent. They sound good for figure style or strumming. Yeah. And the finish on this guitar is really thin. People are really surprised when yeah. they pick it up and play it because this guitar is really vibrant. Yeah. And, you can really uh, feel it in your body when you play. Yeah, and I've mm. thought to upgrade to a more expensive Yamaha, but the finish on the mm. more expensive Yamahas that I played in the last couple of years, are, and in general, the instruments are very heavy. Yeah, they are. Yeah. So, Robust. So this guitar is super light. Oh, okay. And uh, I, it's great, you know. Mm. I, I recorded uh, uh, morning haikus with this guitar. Oh, that's the one I was listening to this morning. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> wow. Um, so with that Yamaha that that you have yeah, right there. Yeah. Because at the time amazing, I didn't man. even have, I didn't even have my uh, my main guitar that I used okay. for. Uh, my my butterfly that I used to record mm. most of the Arborea albums, uh, yeah. which is a red spruce top, and you know I made it at the shop. I didn't have that guitar at the time. I didn't get that until right after Morning Haikus. I was oh, able okay. to bring it back to Italy. Yeah, it was all my guitars were in storage. In Maine, wow, so. and it's scary traveling with guitars. Flying with guitars is a serious ah. test on the nerves. My guitar, yeah. My hold on one second. I'll show. This is my. my oh wow. My butterfly. Okay. It's beautiful. It's very thin. It is so, thin, but it's also like a big. It looks. It's very shapely and got like. You know the the area of the body looks big. Yeah. The the waist is really pinched. Yeah. So really I, pinched. And it has a really pronounced like mid-range oh, okay like. yeah and it's built really light 
it is uh, beautiful works with man lower tunings you know it's got great yeah. it's got a very it's got a lot of character in the i don't know if you can yeah. see all the striping I can. yeah yeah the grain you know, it's beautiful uh, working working at uh bourgeois i was around yeah every week like hundreds of uh red spruce tops and yeah like i i learned to specifically look for you know things totally yeah. and yes know, yeah this is and does it have that sony top does it have yeah. that same uh like back bracing style that you were saying um i think you said his name was todd that guy that who joined the shop no because um, this is i did did I you did, do your different design yeah yeah i oh cool each one of my uh guitars mm. has a slightly different back bracing system. okay not only that like like the scoop that goes into the sides yeah. is a different width uh, oh I see. Like this one's yeah. kind of short. These are more short inside okay. where the other guitar that I have that is made mm. with Australian blackwood and a German oh, wow. spruce top is a, uh, it's a lot more scooped. So I was trying yeah. some different, different okay. things, you know? Yeah. 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 But, uh, yeah, it's, uh, <laughs> but yeah, I didn't have this. So when I, yeah. when I finally decided to bring it back, I have this huge, uh, Carlton mm. case. Okay. It's like a tank. Yeah. You know? And I so I checked it in. Yeah. At the Boston airport. I get all the way to the airport in Milan. Yeah. And I'm waiting and the guitar never arrived. Oh my lord. Did they send I was, a... I, I was dying, like I'm like, how can you lose something that big? Like Yeah. And then I had taken this like I had used an airline from Germany. Okay. Uh, that was going to. I ended up finding like I forget if it was that day that or after that it was going defunct and they yeah. were losing everybody's luggage because oh we had Lord. it was like from Boston to Germany and yeah. then Germany to Downtown. yeah and it got di it got diverted but I know what happened in the end because. Mm -hmm. I had no word about where it was, didn't know where it was. There yeah. was nobody I oh. could call at the Milan airport. Thankfully, yeah. my my wife's friend mm. uh, works for the airport here in Bergamo. Uh, and uh, she was at, able to make a few calls, and after a week, she found it. So did they send and it they, to like a different country, or what happened? I don't know exactly what happened. I think okay. it got diverted to this place in Germany. It finally yeah. made it, and they brought a courier company to uh, my neighborhood and brought the guitar physically oh, to nice. me. Thank the Lord. That was really sketchy. There's a picture, maybe, yeah. I think it's on Instagram when I first started the Instagram, yeah. uh, where I'm like jumping up in the air, like, <laughs> like yeah. You know, I got the case and everything. But anyways, I know what happened. It wasn't so much the airline's mm. fault. Uh, the guitar had gotten pulled aside. It arrived with, like, uh, U.S. security okay. uh, customs tape all over it. Uh, See, I had taped it up really good with yeah. duct tape and everything. So yeah. I, just in case the latches broke. It, yes, yeah, yeah. They probably were like flagging it for drugs or something. Yes, yeah. yeah no. <laughs> and so, yeah, 
I open, of course, I opened it up, and thankfully, it wasn't it's cracked fine. or anything. And there was like a card from the U.S. Yeah. Customs. We have thoroughly, uh, you know. Oh, really? <laughs> yeah. Looked your case and guitar over and cleared it for customs. Yeah. So. So so suspicious. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I'm so sorry that happened, but I'm so glad the guitar is there and it looks great. Like it, it looks like it hasn't taken any re- real sort of serious hits. Yeah, no, it's uh, it's it's intact. I I used it uh, for recording some tracks from uh, No Love Is Sorrow. Okay. You know. Yeah. Uh, like this song uh, or the short instrumental the, called Marie that I wrote yeah. for my grandmother who passed away in, uh, in 2020. Uh, I'm sorry, man. Yeah. Yeah, she was, she was so amazing. I thought I had so much more time with her, you know. And it just... She had basically... Uh, mm-hmm. We were there in 2019 and we were with my yeah. parents and she was living with my parents and... She took a fall in Shame. November or early December. Yeah. Or like, I think she her her cats. She had two cats up, yeah, uh, and they they tripped her up, and she like fractured wow. her back, and she just oh. steadily declined. She mm. just missed the whole COVID thing, which is like, she, uh, I'm glad actually. Like, she didn't yeah. have to. She was 93. And yeah, she was very like. She was great. I mean, mm-hmm. she was so funny. She, uh, I loved talking to her. She had so yeah. much history, and yeah, I, I, I wanted to interview her. I had so many because she yeah. was she was so lucid. She remembered everything from That's the time amazing. when she was little. And then so yeah. we, it was just like she, after she took that fall, it, it wasn't. It was only a couple months, and yeah. then she, you know, she so knows. I. That's a big regret. I didn't. I didn't get. I thought I'd have more time with her. You know. Yeah. In 2016, I had come with my wife from Italy, and I. Uh, mm. uh, we we stayed there for a couple of weeks, and I I had gotten stuff from my home in Maine, and I had my yeah. desktop computer, and I had the idea to interview her then, but yeah. as soon as she realized I was gonna record her with the computer, she was like. You know, Did she, uh, not stoked. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I'm sorry, man. Um, but you're also like a custodian now of Robbie Basho's guitar. Yeah, that's a lot of that's a lot of pressure. <laughs> <laughs> but it was cool that you used it, like you said, you know, on that compilation. Um, but I was I was really surprised when I heard that though, because. Um, I don't know. I just didn't really expect it to be played with a slide, um, but then I. Well, I, I, I. Yeah. I can show you. Oh, why? Wow. I think yeah. I can show you why. I would be. I'd be quite keen. So. Oh. Maybe you can see. I don't okay. know. Okay. Uh, yeah. Is it like bowing a bit? So the 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 mm. neck has. Yeah. Like Pitch a typical up. guitar might, you know. Yeah with age uh the thing is the the back is the heel here is slipped yeah okay uh, the whole the so whole neck it's not bowed it's actually it's like at like, an angle yeah 
pitched and up. So it's kind of caved in this area. Oh, and it, I don't yeah. know if you can see, but it's... Yeah, you can. This is fractured, the rosette. Yeah, you can see there, and it sinks in. But but why this happened, and yeah. I finally... Well, I, I took it to a, a luthier who res yeah. restores really old guitars here mm. in Italy. And we were able to get in and really look at it yeah. closely. I had some ideas about it, and uh, he kind of confirmed some things. Uh, although I thought mm. maybe insects did it. So a guitar has a neck block here. Yeah. And a tail block here. Okay. You know? Yeah, and those yeah. are important for the structural integrity of, of the guitar. And yeah. this guitar doesn't have, a, it's almost like a little beam now. Oh. It's got virtually no neck block yeah. to so withstand like no the support. tension. Of, yeah. yeah. So, and, you know, this is something Stefan Basho and I talked about yeah. all the time. We talked about. Uh, this guitar a lot since he he got it in 2014 yes, yeah. like uh, we're trying to find out why but in there's like a little somebody put a piece of wood in that's kind of balanced on the back okay. and then goes up to the cross brace here like a uh, just like to a keep beam almost yeah yeah and you can yeah. see like little worm like insect you oh, know it, like a bora worm or something yeah, uh, so I thought maybe that the that the neck block uh, sustained insect damage, but looking at it thoroughly with the luthier, we were in there yeah. with the mirror, with the lights and everything. You can see that it is it had been carved away. Oh, but so yeah. why and what, who? Uh, we don't know. You know this. This guitar uh, has seen a lot of changes over the years, you know. Uh, yeah. Li reading older articles by uh, that Robbie had done, he, yeah. he talked about when he got it that the top had been crushed. And Whoa. so he had a, a violin maker make a new top. Yeah. And that would have been in the, like, Maybe around sixty-three or something. Okay, it's a it's a little hard to get the exact date because yeah. every article that uh, Robbie Basha was interviewed, he kind of changes the stories a little bit. Yes, yeah. For sure, it was early sixties that he got it. Yeah, and yeah. he had somebody put this top. So, and I was looking at it closely, and I noticed that the the purfling. Here, yeah. is very delicate. Okay. The, the workmanship doesn't really match the rest of the instrument. So that, that um, started when I first noticed that. Yeah. I was like, that's always a, like a real telltale sign okay. of the quality of the build. Yeah. Okay. It's like delicate things like the purfling scheme and how yes, it's yeah. laid, laid in there. So okay. I started to understand, okay, yeah, this top... Mm. isn't original to the guitar yeah. and of course uh, at some point I was taken to that the guitar shop I think maybe Griffin mm. in Palo Alto and they had uh, I believe it was the the same 
Luthier, uh, uh, John Lundberg's shop, actually. Okay. Uh, Lundberg had a, an elderly uh, Luthier who I guess was originally from Argentina. Yeah. Do a lot of his repair work. And uh, I think he's the one who put this, because this used to have more like a classical style yes, guitar yeah. bridge. And you can see this is more of a modern. Yeah, no, it looks, it does look very. Martin style or something. That you pointed out. Wow. Yeah. Damn, okay, and there's so that this really is... strange yeah. uh, second nut. Whoa, yes, yeah. But but that's to compensate. You can't really tell, yeah. but this is at a slight angle. Okay. It's not, you know, it's not square. Yeah, yeah. It's not across the top. It's such a cool headstock. And also, can't really, this is another thing. Stefan mm. Basho and I were trying to figure out this fretboard is not the same fretboard that you see in the original or oh, really? maybe it is but then the it was planed down and refretted yeah and the the inlays were changed because okay. if you can see from the cover of uh, Falconer's arm yeah it's a different inlay oh, pattern I must check that out yeah yeah. Wow. And now, some years ago, a photographer mm. from near Venice gave me a photo of, of Robbie playing. Mm. It's somewhere on my Instagram. And I see some people have lifted it and used it on the internet. Okay, yeah. Uh, and he's like singing and he's playing this guitar. Okay, and yeah. And you can see uh, between that and then an old show poster, uh, a booking mm. agent who works with me here, Gigi Brashani, yeah. uh, brought Basho to this area in 82, 1982 okay. as it's, part of that tour, the Four Lee that, album. Yeah, yeah, that album that you put out. He's got a poster because he made yeah. show posters. Yeah. And you can see there, I've got a, I, I don't mm. know if, You've seen this. Uh, I can send. I can send you the image. Yeah, you yeah. Can see this fretboard. Yeah. You can see this inlay pattern. Okay, so he. So like it, during his time of ownership, that change happened. Then. So I it wasn't finally, like after he That died. was something I only recently realized. Yeah. Okay. Because I was looking for, doing a lot of investigating. Yeah. You know, <laughs> Trying to just figure out and the guitar's history. Yeah. That was the, uh, like a really a key moment. Okay. Looking, double, taking you know, looking yeah. at that photo and realizing, wait a minute, that's got the the current fretboard yeah, inlay pattern. Crazy, so by '82, this was. Yeah, what he was using, so he probably had some changes done to it, because that's what I was going to ask. I was going to be like, do you think a lot of these changes were after he passed and before? the guitar was sort of found again? I would say most of these changes, I mean, they were, mm. they were done while, while Robbie was alive, but the, yeah. maybe the neck block yeah. was done. It looks like because all the glue, that's like a, like an yeah. old, like a cave with stalactites in it with all yeah. this glue yeah. in it, um, that it imploded at some point yeah. and then it was put, you know, back yeah. together but uh, 
let me get this uh, article here. I, I wrote this article for the 2011 winter issue Fretboard. of Fretboard. Yeah. On, uh, I don't know if you've seen that. But I wrote this article called Voice yes. of the Eagle. Yes. And so yeah. these photos were taken uh, in Berkeley. Okay. In the like around seventy-eight. Yeah. And you can see the old fretboard. Yeah. Okay. Inlay pattern there. So. Yeah. So between what? So yeah, the change was done between probably seventy-nine and eighty-two. Okay. Okay. Yeah, yeah. Okay. So it's like. A, but yeah. You've managed to actually like sort of scale down the period, pretty. Yeah. Pretty tight. <laughs> Well done. Yeah, it's, that's that's been really um, a beautiful thing to yeah. to, to have it. Uh, I've I've written an article for the mm. fretboard journal. Yes. Yeah. Uh, recently. Okay. So hopefully that'll see the light of day. Yeah. Is it also is it on that guitar, or is it just more yeah, general? It, no, it's uh, so the article that I wrote. Mm. A decade ago was uh, on about Basho, Basho. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, and then this one, this new article is specifically on the <laughs> about the guitar, because uh, okay. my friend Dave Logan, who's originally from Scotland, he lives here in Bergamo. We we did a lot of great uh, photo. He made the video of me oh, playing yes. the the tribute to Stefan Basho yeah. in the old town. So that's a beautiful video. Yeah, really it's a piece. it's a really uh, folk radio UK uh, yeah. premiered that, yeah. and then I had a problem with the audio, oh, and I had to have, <laughs> I had to remake the video, so I had to pull it off, and I lost all those premiere like the oh yeah all the views I had a, whatever there were a lot of nice views and a lot of traction it was good and yeah I'm it just kind of. It sucks that you it can't sucks. like just edit the video or slap in a new video. You know, like. So so wait, so, so what was did were you just unhappy with the quality of the audio or what was the there issue? There was uh, yeah, I because I'm playing this uh, brass slide on that guitar. Okay, there was yeah. it was just the audio. There was there was. Yeah. Uh, it was a little too harsh on this. I wanted to kind of like yeah. EQ a, a little section okay. of it. I get a little like post recording. Like I yeah, I like to PSN do a lot of work. Sort of yeah, scrapes. And so. I, I've been working for uh, with Harris Newman, who's a great guitar player as well. Yeah. Uh, and he's been doing all my mastering for like okay, a decade cool. or whatever. Yeah. So I do. I had to wait for, you know, mm. Harris, send him the new track and, yeah you know, get it remastered, then made it back to the video. It was just, took a lot of, uh, it took some effort, you know. Yeah. So, Shame, man. I'm sorry. But yeah, hopefully, slowly more people will, you know, find out about it. I don't Check it out again, you know, yeah. I think it's a great video, but yeah. it's got almost no views, you know. Yeah, I'm sorry, man. <laughs> no, but I guess like you've got to be sure that what you are putting out there is of a quality that you're happy with. Otherwise, it'll just it'll make you go insane. I imagine. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's true. It's true. 
Yeah, so I think good good choice. <laughs> Rather, <laughs> whatever that's worth anyway. <laughs> but yeah, so like in living in Europe now, do you find that the gigging opportunities are as good as as they would have been if you if you were in, still in the states or better maybe? I just think they're different. Okay. Uh, I think um uh, Liam, Liam and I had such a great tour together and yeah. I would like to do do more of that and it, it would okay. be great to play in the Midwest, go out to yeah. Colorado and Arizona and over to Oregon and California, mm-hmm. you know. Yeah. Uh, I I'd like to do that with him as well cuz uh mm. you know, I it felt really great traveling with him and yeah okay uh he's a great guy and yeah he's 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 a great player and just to see him play play, yeah yeah, play every night and Mm. um it's it was just really rewarding also to like it was really fun uh going to places that i toured through and played a lot and Mm. like introduce him to people that i've known over the years you know so now yeah you know it's probably great for him yeah yeah i mean uh liam's like 23 or something yeah (laughs) it's crazy and the way he plays is just out of this world i i had a lot of fun too when we went Mm. to boone and we stayed with his friend grayson yeah uh Grayson player yeah yeah Grayson's great like <laughs> right away when we sh- yeah he lives in a beautiful idyllic <laughs> place you know in the mountain oh, yeah. and, uh right away those guys were just like fiddling around on the porch you know with yeah. uh, uh well literally like fiddling fiddle and banjo oh, okay you know? cool yeah yeah it was like oh this is great for yeah. me it's so uh, cool uh, to see that kind of thing like still alive and well you know um, yeah because i don't know you know you, you often feel like a lot of this stuff is getting lost but um yeah yeah it's it's easy to feel that way mm. and i think for there is a big there has been a big like cultural cha- change up i think there's a over obsession with pop music now and yeah a lot of uh it's so funny because like with all the all the important acoustic music and psych folk music that was mm. made in the 2000s yeah you know? and i i remember when like radiohead was trying to do their own uh well they had their own website and so oh, trying to sell music directly and yeah yeah i remember tom york ones, saying yeah. Tom York was saying, "Oh yeah, the major labels are gonna all fall down, and yeah. you know we're gonna yeah. be doing all this like MySpace mm. and Bandcamp kind of stuff." Yeah, yeah, you yeah. know, it seemed like a really like there was gonna be a big positive thing, but yeah. you see how yeah. all the majors they they condensed and they yeah. they adapted, and now it's like pop music is bigger than ever. Yeah, you know, it's like. <laughs> It's like a huge, I, and, and the approach is so kind of industrial, you know. It's yeah. like we're producing this 
for scale, you know, like at volume and um, it, it's kind of scary when you see like some of the ways in which they've tried to kind of, um, what's the word I'm looking for, like structure formulas, like mathematically to create pop songs and, you know, especially yeah. with AI now. And uh, Oh God, that's, that's going to yeah. open up, that's mm. opened up a, that's gonna open up so many things and and, and mm. enable yeah that the situation i i played a i play a lot of shows in switzerland mm. okay and uh last year i was kind of playing up in emmental in the kind of like lower mm. mountains or yeah. lower hill hilly mountain area very beautiful mm. and there was a band that was headlining uh later in the night i played during the day yeah, and they had uh, like sixty percent of their sound was coming from the laptop. It was yeah. like a trio, okay. but they they sounded like a ten piece band. Okay, and I didn't even realize at first what was going on, but like this yeah. kind of relying on, yeah, you know, it looked sounded like a slick record, like they could have been lip syncing. Yeah. You know what I mean? It was. Oh yeah. And earlier in the day, all these like great like. There was a, a guy from Germany playing. He kind of plays the guitar flat on like he does a little bit of the the tapping stuff, oh, uh, okay. like percussive stuff that yeah. I don't like. But he does yeah. it in a very he does it in a way that I think I I'm okay with what he does. Okay. And he's kind of got he's a young guy. He sings with mm. he's got a little bit of R and B edge okay. to his voice as well. But he's playing and he played all day. Yeah. Like after he got done playing, he was sitting there watching, hanging out. He he played. He can play his instrument. Yeah. He doesn't need. He doesn't rely. Have to rely on anything. Yeah, you yeah. Know? And he he busks like constantly. And yeah. So yeah, it's like. I I just uh, the whole acoustic music scene that was in all its various forms that was happening in the 2000s and kind of like it definitely spilled over in the last in the, you know the 2010s mm -hmm. uh, I appreciate it more because people were really like adamantly working on technique and playing their yeah. their instruments and not relying on electronic yeah. manipulation you know uh, I think it's more engaging I think it's more engaging Mm. It, for people to just sit down and like feel the instrumentation yeah it's not being blasted at you through like speakers and in the, mm. it's a completely different way that the music is transmitted and yeah. the way you feel it you know and the yeah. way you perform it because i just made an album with a uh analog synth you know and yeah. i i prefer playing our acoustic piano in the house and yeah. The kids get to play the piano every day. They they go. There's a big difference, you know. I really have a hard time feeling the the connection with the instrument. Yeah. It's not doing. You you hear it. Your brain mm. registers the tones, you know. Yeah. Like, but but it doesn't feel like it's well because I guess also the sound isn't coming from you. Then you know, there's a speaker that's separate. Yeah, exactly. And it just sort of creates this feeling of dis or it can create a feeling of disconnect yeah yeah, yeah. and I, and i guess you know you were talking about 
you know we're talking about sort of thinner finishes and all of that and being able to actually feel the instrument vibrate against your body being kind of a an important part of the experience um yeah it's it's amazing man so you know the the cool thing about acoustic guitars too mm -hmm. uh or acoustic instruments in general there's like an infinite amount of ways that somebody will play it there are so much nuancy differences mm. between how Liam plays or how Al yeah. uh, Joseph plays or, mm. you know, all these great players or the way Jack played. There's a yeah. lot of guys that were inspired by Jack, but I've never heard anybody play like Jack Rose. Yeah. Like you cannot, the way Jack played, the way you felt how he was playing when you were yeah. in the room next to him is you can't even describe it properly yeah. it's like there's nobody that's ever played of course you have powerful like but liam's got yeah. a great right hand uh Gwennifer raymond yeah i played a uh i'm friends with gwen we we've played mm. shows together i absolutely love her playing and she's mm. got an incredible right hand yeah, but it's not it's not like Jack's, and it you yeah. don't feel the same way when you're in the room yeah. playing. And it's not one's not better than the other. Yeah, they're yeah, just it's... completely different. Mm. So the variations are so the the personal mm. imprint on the instrument or the flow, the unique flow that everybody brings to the instrument is so interesting, mm. infinitely interesting. Right. Yeah. So. Or like uh, uh, Blake Hornsby is another young player that I, I think is absolutely great. Yeah. Uh, uh, Liam knows him, and, and mm. we, we all played a, a show together in Boone, and uh, Blake has a, a really... He's got some great, like, psychedelic... Uh, he's got, like, a guitar album that's, mm. that's great, but then he's got these other albums where he's got sitar and harmonium and I okay. love these psychedelic yeah. albums that he's yeah. made and um, yeah I mean the way he plays guitar is so some of the things he does really has a really basho feel okay. to it okay. this kind of like really I don't know I don't even know how to explain it it's okay. like a really idiosyncratic like uh uh vibrant uh okay, i don't like know a, it's, it's yeah that's sort of like the way ethereal, he his right hand technique it's got yeah. this uh very like unpredictability okay. about it as well yeah. it's like you know whereas jack was like a a machine yes almost. yeah yeah like, yeah he was very like when he was finger picking it was just so solid and so mm. like there like rock you know? hard yeah yeah and uh so yeah it was really it was great uh you know getting to play with like liam and, and yeah. blake and, and hearing hearing these young guys yeah do such great idiosyncratic things with the acoustic guitar you know? yeah yeah so it's very cool yeah, that there's people doing that. <laughs> yeah, and in an age where mostly people want 
uh, Liam and I were talking about, he was talking about working with booking and, and stuff like that and about certain venues needing stats and oh, from yes, yeah. Spotify yeah. and stuff like that. Like, yeah. That's another thing too. It's like yeah. Spotify wasn't even a thing when I started with Arboria. Yeah. So <clears throat> all also, our like, playing. You know, you know how like social media following is sort of the way, the measure now on like how yeah. big is a band and how viable is a band how many followers do they have and it's and it's like that can, that stuff can be totally and it is a lot of times manipulated oh yeah or bought, very much so very like it bought is. so how can you go on those you know yeah. like yeah. like crazy. This, it's impossible um, but it's like we spent all that time like mm. on sites like MySpace or Last.fm Okay. And, yeah. You know, ha- g- gaining all these like followers with Arbori and stuff yeah. like that, and now nobody uses those platforms, so you lose yeah. all that traction and yeah, and like you don't know where you where you stand anymore with these things. It's like yeah, uh, how long? Unless how, you have how long the platform's gonna last for? And yeah, yeah, I think it's really really difficult if you're a, a truly mm. independent yeah musician either totally independent or working with an independent label like yeah. I've been working with ESP Disc for, for years yeah. which is uh, a great label mm. with a lot of so much history but it's not Columbia yeah no, no. it's not Sony <laughs> no, no. you know people yeah. all the musicians that have ever been associated with ESP mm. Disc have had to work yeah you know and <laughs> Yeah. You know, but now these things are you you get maybe you'll see something that's ESP disc and maybe it's only got like 600 listens on YouTube or something. Yeah. But it's been around for like how many years? 35, 40 yeah. years, right? It's crazy. Meanwhile, man. you have uh some AI cover that just yeah. came up on YouTube. That's got it's millions like, of views, yeah, sorry. Hundreds of millions, just like. Yeah, yeah. it's like, what? It's, it's, it's bizarre. It's really yeah, bizarre. Yeah, it's so bizarre. And it's sad, though, that those stats are really, you know, what, what the measure is now, almost. It's like, if you want to play gigs, if you want to release music, or, you know, you're approaching labels or anything like that, that's all that they really look at first, you know? which is which is disappointing i know that they are independents though like you know that kind of deviate from that but but it, but it's it, it has just kind of become this obsession that i think has really been very sort of counterproductive and even destructive for like actual creativity and the like mental well-being of so many artists and creators i feel it has really taken a huge hit in like the last decade or so with this yeah yeah being being i think the last now. the last six years has been such a radical change uh yeah uh, shanti sent me an article or it was like a podcast from the mm. new york times about uh you know just talking about different things like youtube and mm. and they they basically go through and they they interview an old main uh, guy who was a content manager for YouTube back in the day and he yeah. explained back then that 
when they shifted to mm. the algorithmic yeah. process and, and kind of let the chronological... Mm. Uh, I knew something changed back then, but I, yeah. I, I didn't know exactly what changed until I heard it directly from the podcast. Yeah. I was like, oh, that's what's changed. And, you know, I was still yeah. trying to catch up. You know, I, time moves so fast. Like yeah. Five, four years can just fly. Mm. And uh, if you're used, like I'd been used to writing emails and contacting people in a specific way since the 2000s. Like, yeah. I didn't know in that quick amount of time that, well, I mean, a decade just flew by and then yeah. I'm still operating the way I was doing in 2011, but yeah. you know, but, uh, thinking about what I was saying about Liam saying, Oh, trying to contact a place and saying, Oh, let me see your stats and stuff like that. I was like, when I was thinking about setting up the tour, cause it had been mm. since 2019 that I toured in the U S yeah. I went out to California and played San Francisco. I was supposed to play in, in uh, North Carolina, but a hurricane came yeah. through. So all my gigs in Chapel Hill got canceled. So I stayed out in Oakland a little bit longer, which was actually cool because I got to see Tashi Dorji, uh, Dorji play yeah. and, and Bill Orcutt and wow. got to meet those guys. And um, so that was pretty cool. And I got to play some extra shows and stuff yeah. like that, you know. But so I thought about for this tour, mm. because I had been working with a promoter from Denver, but then he had gotten COVID and, mm. and then I lost communication with him for like almost two months. Yeah. And then he came back and he said he, he, he was sorry, but he had to drop out of helping with the tour. So suddenly mm. I had to start self-booking all these shows, yeah. you know, and I was kind of worried, but around that time I was looking mm. for uh, maybe... I thought, oh, the idea would be to to get a booking agent. Yeah. Tried tried to get a a booking agent. So I looked around and I saw one that might be appropriate that that worked with some artists that I've toured with in the past. Mm. <laughs> I'll never forget. I sent my you know bio sheet and everything, mm. and uh, I got the response back that uh, I'm sorry, but we only work with bands that have a touring history in the United States. Uh. I'm, yeah. I'm like, did you read like my read. bio? Yeah. What I've been doing yeah. with my music career uh, nonstop yeah. since at and least 2006, you know. So, so, so I'm guessing you didn't work with them. And playing the biggest, uh, you know, like playing uh, South by Southwest three times in yeah. the best hall at South by, playing uh, Phil Philadelphia Folk Festival. Yeah, playing, yeah. You know, da 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 da. You know, like. And it's all there. Did, it's all there. Like, what What do you That's mean? Touring history. Yeah. You know, Arborea was from 2007 to 2015. Mm. We're touring, well, up to two, 2006 to 2009, semi-professional, yeah. like, and then professional from all that, yeah. all those years. Like, crazy, you know? That is crazy. So I, I don't even, I don't even understand that. Like, that, yeah. That, makes no sense but there you go well, and, and also like how is someone ever supposed to sort of get a break then as well where it's like you have to have this like how many albums do you have to release 
like <laughs> oh yeah exactly like, it's I mean, like weird criteria and we've we had some fair uh, arborea had some critically acclaimed albums yeah you know yeah <laughs> so and uh, we toured you know with yeah. a lot of big bands and <laughs> it's, it's like i don't know it's it's wild man who knows but you ended up still just self-booking that whole tour here yeah and yeah. you know thankfully it, mm. it was really really great but yeah i i i want to get back and okay uh, in the new year yeah and play more shows but also uh, hopefully my wife adele mm. we we her album's mm. coming out on Ramble yeah. Records, oh, cool. the vinyl, nice. in September. Fantastic. So I want to get her some shows yeah. in America as well. Okay, and she's she's great live, and yeah. I'm, I'm looking forward <laughs> to to her. Like this album, though, before she was mm. kind of doing like layering of voices and, okay, and doing yeah. some different things with percussion. Uh, doing some really, really great, unique mm. things that went when we toured. We played some shows in Philly. Yeah. With, uh, Jesse Shepard of Alcorn helped set up the Philly show back then, and a lot of people were, lo- you know, they loved mm. what Adele's been doing. And uh, but this album, we were kind of like listening to all these. Uh, I mean, I've always loved Neil Young. Yeah. Uh, Specifically, like all these archival live oh, recordings yes, yeah. that are from the early seventies, really I kind good. of like uh, certain songs. You'll hear yeah. through each different concert and yeah. the variations, the changes. Yeah. You know, I'm yeah. like, oh, I really love this performance, but you know, yeah. like, you know. <laughs> uh, anyway, I just like, and Adele is like. She mm. can, she she actually knows some, can sing some of Neil's yeah. songs, and yeah. uh, oh, I, cool. I always I I'm like, hey, maybe you should learn a couple of those early Neil yeah. Young songs on the piano, you know. Yeah. But anyways, when we finally brought a piano in the house in uh, 2000, end mm. of 18, after I got back from from tour, yeah, um, yeah. right away I started like giving her sheet music of Beethoven and Debussy and you know so she started learning kind of classical things we were watching a lot of documentaries on players you know yeah uh, composers and and so she and she started advancing really quickly she she had played some piano when she was younger Mm. took lessons and stuff so it it kind of came back and she's done really great yeah and and incorporating the piano what she sings with you as well yeah occasionally she's done some things we we just recorded like a bruce uh coburn okay single that's gonna come out in september that's Um, awesome and she's singing it she's got a really nice low voice and kind of a a higher voice you know so She's nice. actually really good at singing like uh, Ella Fitzgerald. <laughs> oh, okay, like this, cool. You know? Yeah, yeah. But it's a, it's 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 like I don't know, very complimentary pair of voices though. So it works yeah. nicely then. 
but okay so you got a bunch of stuff on the horizon then um yeah because did you say you've also recorded a, a solo album of your own as well in addition to Adele's well so record. i have i have this analog synth album coming out yeah uh, that's the one and i've already released uh well the the stefan basho tribute yeah uh delights and dangers of ambiguity which is like an improv thing that was yeah. released in january Ramble yes, re-released, yeah. reissued Immortal Light, yeah. my first solo yeah. album. And then so I have this single coming out, the Bruce Coburn thing, uh, Adele's yeah. album, uh, okay. which I'm pretty busy with helping yeah. out. You and know. then are you guys going to uh, hit hit like a tour or something like that? When, when we're going to play as much as we can. I'm trying okay. to figure that out. It's, yeah. it's hard with our having two kids. And yeah, I can imagine. schedule, and, mm. you know. Um, also, I recorded a full album with a band oh. last summer. Yeah? Yeah. Uh, that's actually got drums on it. Okay. Um, <laughs> yeah. Playing acoustic guitar. Yeah. But it's and a electric band. on a couple. Yeah. You know. Yeah. Uh, okay. So there's there's some electric guitar instrumentals, but there's acoustic things as well. Yeah. That I'm looking for a label to pair up with. Okay. To release the vinyl, but it's fully mastered. Harris mastered it for vinyl and CD and. Yeah. And ready to go. Yeah, so that's ready to go. And then I, when I got my Sobel, yeah, the 2009 Sobel, and I recorded um, an album like almost accidentally of improvs. Yeah. Nice. Um, <laughs> pretty great. Yeah, because okay, there is one acoustic yeah. guitar piece that I started writing on the Sobel. Mm. When I first got the guitar and my daughter was much younger and I would, I started writing this piece. There's actually a video, I had actually videotaped, mm. yeah. or I mean with the phone rather, okay. videotaped. Yeah. <laughs> Not videotaped, but oh, whatever. <laughs> uh, and uh, so like mm. the, the, the first inception of the pieces there. So okay. I, I went and I recorded some synth parts over top of that and that's going to be on the album as well okay but so i was trying to perfect this piece and it's really sparse but it's kind of got this galloping okay. section yeah and it was i i kept i i really wanted to record it in a very specific way mm. and i kept screwing it up like okay. i couldn't do yeah. it you know and uh, so I would I would stop, and I would just like take a breath, and mm -hmm. all of a sudden I I got into this thing where I was like, every time I would screw up, stop, and take a breath, I I would just hit record, and I'd yeah. improvise. Okay. So I did that like twenty times. Yeah. So I had these like two minute, three minute. Yeah. improvs or maybe some are one minute long yeah and i created a whole album wow. accidentally yeah and then i ha have always had this idea to uh 
create an album kind of like uh, this mm. one of my favorite books. Okay. Rimbo. Yeah. Uh, Illuminations. Yeah, yeah. And Brilliant. I love the the poetry in this book. It's yeah. It's very surreal. Uh, so I'm calling the album mm. Illuminations. Okay. Uh, so to kind of bring everything to tie it together, I got uh, an Italian uh, translation okay, of yeah. this for Adele. Yeah. And I had created this uh, kind of really open with a lot mm. of harmonics. Uh, and then I reversed the back end of it. Okay. And, uh, yeah. Like instrumental. And I had Adele read my favorite poem yeah. from, from this in Italian. Oh, beautiful. So that's going to be on the album as well. Wow. So that's going to come out hopefully next year. Yeah. I, that's the only one that's not mastered yet, so okay. I have to get that mastered. Okay. Have and you I have to kind of go. Yeah. Have you got a label for that one yet? Uh, no. I, I mean, I'll, I'll put out the the digital Okay. My, nice. myself. But yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, I think it would be nice to do like at least a CD. Yeah, you know. Yeah, no. We'll see. A uh, physical release is always great. Yeah, I wanna I wanna get a physical release for that one and, and this band album. Yeah. Okay. So, so there's plenty of stuff going on, <laughs> plenty of stuff yeah. coming out and in the in the bag, as it were. Amazing, yeah, yeah. Man. So, yeah, so, and I have some other ideas, of things yeah. that I, I want to do, and uh, but I'm I'm gonna be busy in the next couple of years, which is really good. Yeah, <laughs> that's awesome. That's fantastic. But I think um, I'll just have one last question, uh, and that's you know for someone who is unfamiliar with your music, uh, and you had to play them one song, which song would you play to them? <laughs> I remember uh, I I heard when when you asked Liam that and I'm like oh man if if Duncan asked me that I'm gonna oh I'm yeah <laughs> I got to I got to always ask it and then and then we play the song at the end so it's like a nice it's way to so close it out. difficult to do it is how difficult. about if I give you two options and you choose okay. the one that you want to play because there would be two yeah uh, ways that I would approach that which is one of the more structured compositions yeah. versus one of the more improvisational things okay so something that well it actually has layers but it was fully I improvised yeah is uh, from uh, Morning Haikus okay uh, The Sun Also Rises uh, yes yeah, I would say that's very in that that kind of representative. Yeah, yeah. Of the kind of languid, open. Yeah, the sun also rises. Okay. Yeah, yeah, like yeah. the colors. So that's and the. Yeah, the, the more improvisational. Okay. And and, uh, and then like a track like River Unto Sea. Okay, yes. Uh, the way it's recorded on Immortal Light is, you know, more yeah. representative of something. Well, okay. that was Because there's a version on Morning Haikus as well, isn't there? Uh, 
Is there? <laughs> I'm forgetting. <laughs> oh, maybe I'm. No, I think I might be getting mixing up. It definitely see if Polaris is on that, but maybe yeah. it is. Uh, I I would like to record a more sparse because well, there is Immortal Light has the the base of the recording is yeah. the, and then I recorded like Ebo. Okay. My uh, trusty mm. Ebo. Yeah, that, yeah. <laughs> has duct tape on it <laughs> <laughs> Does because i've dropped it so many times the case okay. is cracked now yeah i like to see that that's another thing mm. and and slide you know yeah that's another like evolution of my yeah. playing from the very beginning of hearing things like bb king or any kind mm -hmm. of like the idea of sustaining a note what yeah when I started uh, really playing like slide guitar and mm. the Ebo, then yeah, sustain. and it sounds great with the acoustic guitar, the Ebo. Yeah. You know, I love it with the electric guitar. It's a little harder to control. Yeah, with the ma you know, the ma magnets of the uh, yeah. the pickups on the electric, but the acoustic guitar is like you can really make it sound like a voice you know yeah yeah it's beautiful tomorrow you say you're playing a gig here yeah? oh no not tomorrow but uh i i have a break in this period i'm just doing like booking and stuff like that okay. uh, my yeah. next gigs are in in yeah. switzerland okay. i'm playing in zurich and yeah. i'm playing on the 20th i'm playing in zurich and okay. then uh, so i'm like playing a festival a festival in tune yeah. okay. in Switzerland. And then I've got other gigs in Switzerland, and uh, yeah. I'm working on other things in Italy coming up. So. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> well, fantastic. But yeah, man. Yeah, thanks so much. Thank you so much. I really appreciate it. And it was so cool to see like your guitar that you had built, your butterfly guitar, and the Robbie Basho guitar just amazing yeah. so thank you so much <laughs> i really appreciate it and yeah 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 and good luck for like all the releases coming up now in september and then the other two albums and yeah and i hope that you you got a lot of gigs and yeah all the best man thank you Th thanks so much and, and uh hope to meet down the road you know? yeah definitely <laughs> <laughs>